The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Because I self-scout thyself a lot. You like how I like to die? <laughs> yeah, it sounds more intelligent when I add die. I didn't think I was going to hear that one. No, yeah. yeah. So self, self-scout thyself is a very important thing to Can me. Can we fit that on the mug? In the, in the podcast. Somewhere? I live by that. Yeah. Yes. On the backside? In life and football. Oh, yeah. Yo, yo, yo. What up, homies? Chris Sims, Ahmed Farid here to have some fun on a Thursday afternoon. Actually, Thursday late morning. Yep. We're having to tape it a little earlier than normal just because I got a flight. I'm Bobby, big time media guy. I hope you didn't. And did you realize that? I'm kind of a big no, deal I around know. here. Okay. I see you everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> I see you everywhere. Uh, so first class, first class flight. First I'd class hope, flight. Hope. This time around, yes, it didn't work out that way to the owner's meeting. It's a oh, very really? disappointing experience. <laughs> So let me just tell you. Oh, no. But I, I do have a first-class fight going to – I got to get ready. I got to get uh, Notre Dame spring game on Saturday. Yeah. So that'll be cool. I am looking forward to that. But uh, You're going to be up in the booth. Going to be up in the booth. Yep. Uh, me and Pauly B. Meister. Yeah. All in the game, which is different. A spring game is – Broad topics. It's yeah, not, you're not going to be like first and ten. We, you know, like, oh, here are the team. seven string <laughs> running back has really got an issue here. Yeah, yeah it's not going to be too many deep dives. Just talk broadly. But looking forward to it and uh, always looking forward to hanging with you, honey. I know it's been a little. It's been a little bit. Yeah, um, you look so cute on uh, NBC, <laughs> the big NBC for. last Saturday for the that's horse what races. For yeah, we were at the uh, Santa Anita Derby. Yep. out in California. You got the Arkansas Derby coming up. Uh, this weekend, we've got I've got uh, NBA basketball preview on Roto World. We got all that coming up this week, so we're we're both busy this weekend. But we carved out an hour here before your flight. Yep. Uh, and we were thinking what we should do, right? We were like, what, what should we do? Was, right. Not a, ton not a of big news, news day. Not, yeah. Not a huge yeah. news. And so what's always a good idea is that uh, is that all your fans that have followed you wherever you've gone and are now with the Unbuttoned Podcast have really good ideas on what we should talk about and different ideas that we don't think about. Good. And so we were like, you know what? Mailbag. Yeah, we need it. Total Listen, mailbag need show. it, welcome it. I mean, I really, I want the fans to feel like they're part of the podcast, and that's why I'm, I myself am trying to make a more concerted effort to pay attention to social media and do those things because I do yeah. want them to have a voice. Uh, I'm not saying I'm sitting there actually tweeting. typing my tweeting all the time. What do you mean you're not tweeting? But I text to the person who tweets from there. Yes, so it's a team <laughs> feel, effort. But you feel like that, like that you, if you are texting the, the tweet to someone, you might as well just tweet it. I, like you're it probably right. Like an extra level. Yes, well, it's also a, a good way to um, 
police thyself, <laughs> okay? <true. laughs> a little bit like, here, boss, this is what I wanted to eat. Yeah. Because sometimes he might be like, no, that's absolutely crazy. Thank You're going to get us all fired. Thank God you texted me first before just <laughs> yeah, tweeting that. Exactly. Yeah. So right. you don't even know the password, probably. I don't. I don't password. know the password. <laughs> that is exactly right. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. But it's coming from you just after a few levels of, uh, of editing. Yep. All right. Anything else you want to get out before we go into the mailbag uh, here? No. Nothing uh, pressing in my mind today. Nothing crazy. Um, You've been good? You've been eating healthy? You've I've been, been okay. 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 I've, I've, Oreos have been killing me. Numinos oh, no. have been killing me. The healthier version of the, cookies. Yeah, the, the ones that yes. have half the been sugar. been killing me. Like, I literally looked at my wife last night and I was like, I have a problem. Because I've been on like a 10-day run of like five Oreos before I go to bed. With or without milk. Doesn't even matter. But they're just uh, such a great cookie. you got to throw them out. Such a great cookie. Best cookie ever. That's, They're really good. The I mean, Numinos, I've never had the Numinos. They taste but. just like Oreos, so I, you wouldn't even know Are the they difference. really a lot healthier? Like, what's the deal? That I just think there's no less, sugar? less, what is it, saturated fats. And, sure. or, and there's some, yeah, it's, I don't think trans, the sugar's the same. It's trans fat. It's yeah. some of the, the products that are used to make it. What is your number one cookie? What is everyone's number one cookie? Uh, macadamia nut. Macadamia nut macadamia sounds nut. so boring and mature. That's it's really, really good. No, but it's really good though. Is it? I don't think it's that good for you. Okay. Depending on the amount of butter. Well, most cookies aren't, it. but um, that's my favorite cookie. All right, let's get into it. All right, the mailbag. This is you took total control over this podcast. Uh, I have three pages here. We'll get through as many as we can. Uh, in the uh, hour that we have before you have to catch a flight first class over yeah. to South Bend. <laughs> All right, first one comes from Nettie87. Yep. Who was the smartest player you came up against that would be all over your play calls like a Luke Keekley type? Oh, that's that's a great question by Nettie87. Okay, uh, the, the two people come to mind, or maybe three, I'll say. The first one, uh, you'll remember Zach Thomas, middle linebacker yeah. for the Miami Dolphins, yep. was scary good at calling plays out Why you're underneath the center where I would literally have moments where I'd be like, okay, just let's just say I call a play in the huddle and it's uh, in a John Gruden offense we would call 96 Seattle, all right? That meant like 96 stretch. It was a stretch play to the right, outside okay. zone to the right, right? And, you know, I'd get under the center, okay, hey, hey, uh, blue 85, blue 85. And as I'd be saying that second number color, Zach Thomas would be like, they're running over there, they're running over there. And I'd be like, Said hot <laughs> and give the ball to Michael Pittman. And I was like, good luck with this. But you know what's crazy is, of course, how many times he would guess and then how many times I gave him the ball thinking, oh, my gosh, he's going to get killed as soon as I turn around. But it didn't happen as much as you thought. We'd get a gain or seven or eight, and I'd be like, man, what happened? Zach Thomas knew, knew the play, and they didn't stop it. Because if you execute it, you can it should be even, still even okay. No, right. It's like depending on how you execute that play, they still might have trouble. They still might have trouble. Yeah. Plus, they're still trying to stay uh, adhere to their rules. So even though they want to guess, they don't really just go, "Oh, I'm running there because sure. I guess there for sure." Exactly right. So, but Zach Thomas was amazing. He certainly who's not in the Hall of Fame, I don't believe. No, right? I don't. And I think you, you know You're, he probably you'd be a proponent. he. I do, I do. I think he's a Hall of Fame type player. He yeah. was in the conversation uh, from one of the best linebackers in football for. You know, a five or six year period there. 100%. Ray Lewis is in that convo. I only played against him once. Zach Thomas, I got a taste of that many a times. Ray Lewis and Ed Reed, the combination of both 
was extremely scary. Ray would call out run plays. Ed Reed, as you know, anybody knows football, whatever, he'd be in the back end, and you just never knew what he was going to do. You're going, oh, they're going to play cover two. He's going to drop back into his half of the field and play it the right way. And he'd just go, oh, screw it. I've seen this formation. They're going to run a slant route on the other side of the field. And he'd run over there and be calling it out either as he's walking there, as the snap's happening, or just do it at the snap. But those are three guys, along with Teddy Bruschi, would be the last guy I would mention okay. in that conversation where I got underneath the center a lot, and they would guess plays, and they were very close or spot on, uh, a little too much for, for my comfort. So how many times at that point would you audible out of it? Yeah, if I heard it early on, okay, and if they were really adjusting their defense, we're running to the right, and all of a sudden they're scooting the offensive line that way, and he's changed his play, there's probably a few times where I said, okay, let's run the other way or do yeah. something like that. Um, but if they were just guessing and yelling it out right before the snap, first of all, you don't have time to change it. You can't change it when you're real late in the snap, when you're getting ready to say said hut. Right. If you said all of a sudden, like, ho, ho, check, check, <laughs> yeah. then somebody would jump offside. So yeah. you have to be conscious of that as a quarterback, too. And so they would pick up the play mostly, you think, from the formation, just or, they've scouted you. Or formation. And the biggest thing, and this is a good follow-up question by you, is I think they could tell guards, guards, positioning of hands and feet uh. to go, ooh, when he's a little light on his hands, he might be a pulling guard. Or, ooh, he's cheating his right foot back, so he might be going to the right here. Whatever it be, I feel like more times than not, it was context clues, that along with the formation where a smart player put it together. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. All those little things that come up in, uh, in film. A lot All of right. smart guys out there. They might not be great with SATs, but when it comes to football, <laughs> some of those guys, and I said this about Gronk a few weeks ago, you know, Gronk, he seems like he's like, oh, me play football, Tom throw me ball, I yeah. catch it. But you get in a meeting room with Gronkowski, and all of a sudden you go, damn, is this the smartest tight end in football? Some of these guys are football savants, even though that's all they you might have to not be. be football right. genius. That's, that's, your, that's right. your occupation, exactly right? Exactly right. There you go. Um, Queens kid 80. All right, Queens. Quarter, quarterback by far the most important and valuable position on the field. What do you think is second, the second most important position on the field? You yep. agree quarterback's number one. Yes, I do. Uh, I think the quarterback has been a little overblown with the praise and things like that in the last 10 years. We've made the quarterback the most powerful position in all of sports, and he's right. more powerful than the head coach. Excuse me. But you can, win a, you can win a Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer as your quarterback. I, I feel bad for Trent Dilfer because everyone always says that, right? Sure. It's, like, it's like, oh, you don't need a good quarterback. Trent Dilfer won a, won a Super right. Bowl one I time. Mean, with. Exactly. I mean, so there's like a lot the of The one guy you talk about. I, I the get time. Well, I get that. That's the, the story I fight back against all the time. I mean, Nick Foles won a Super Bowl a few years ago. Yeah. I guess Tom Brady, that's not supposed to happen. Russell Wilson beat Peyton Manning before Russell Wilson was Russell Wilson. So you know, quarterback's important. We all know that. But it, important, but it might yes. not be up here. It might be just right here. I think it's a little lower. It's yeah. a team sport. And that's all I try to it's beat like into everybody. It's crazy about it, right? Exactly right. Phil Simms won a Super Bowl. And yeah. damn it, you're fucking crazy if you think he's better than Dan Marino, who didn't. That's just, it didn't, <laughs> sure. it doesn't matter. Dan Marino and you've was told better. him. you've told him that. He right? knows, and him. I say it on TV all the time, so he's got to <laughs> deal with it anyway. And he knows that. But I think after that, I'd go with defense to end. I oh. think so. I think that would be the guy. Is that a recent thing, or is that you've always? You no, kind of felt I think that it's in? always been defense and tackles in that conversation. You know, even defensive tackle because defensive tackle, you're involved in so many plays, run, pass game. There's right. never really a playoff. But I think still at the at the base level, and I think the money says this in the NFL right now. Guys like Khalil Mack, 
coming off the edge, what we just saw with Demarcus Lawrence, they can close out games, they can change games, they can change game planning for games. They have a tremendous effect on not only what's going on on the field that day, but the preparation leading up to it. That That's probably why I'd give them the edge. But, like, yeah, D-tackle and O-tackle are probably right there close in that combo. Oh, you'd put O-tackle up there yeah, as well? Yeah, I think O-tackle too. It's still, it's, it's still a great luxury to have a guy over here uh, as a left tackle or a right tackle and go, when we need three yards, we can always run behind you. Yeah. And, oh, they have Cleo Mack? Well, we don't need to help. You can do them yourself. You're awesome. Mm -hmm. Those are great luxuries, again, because now the team that has the offensive tackle who has that guy, they don't have to reorchestrate pass protection or run schemes or how do we help this guy out versus Khalil Mack so he doesn't get dominated right. all day. Uh, that That's the luxury of having a, a franchise left tackle and, or right tackle. And some of it, too, is is how easy is it to find some of these guys, too, because every position is valuable, but some you can find a guy more easily than other positions. Yes. Right? You know, I mean, yes. Hey, so running backs grow on trees. Let's just, you know. Kind right. of, right? Yeah, I mean, right. you can you can find them down the draft. Yes. Right? I mean, we've seen Kareem Hunt be a third-round pick, right? You can I mean, be as, have a successful offense, and you don't need top-of-the-line receivers. You don't need Randy Moss or, you know, Antonio Brown to be successful throwing the football. We've seen the New England Patriots do it. They yeah. get a lot of good receivers sometimes. And, hey, listen, I know they had the Randy Mosses and other special guys, but I'm saying when they haven't, They've also found other creative ways, if you're a smart coach or team, to make those positions still dangerous. Yeah. And that comes into coaching. Uh, O-Fire, at O-Fire, says, kind of on the defensive front here as well, rank the top five defenses after free agency. Oh, oh here's a rank. Gosh. That's going to be tough to it's do gonna right It's going to be tough. This is a famous phrase of mine. Um, let me um, pull up the teams, okay? Yes. Yeah, right. okay. We just need to make sure um, that we know which teams are in the NFL first. Yep. Then, we, then you can rank Then them. I can go work. from there. But, yeah, this is, this is uh, going to be a tough one. First of all, let me just say this. Uh, I could have given you a heads up on this. It's one. okay, don't worry. Free agency or not, okay? Let me just say this. The Chicago Bears okay. are still one of the top five defenses in football. I don't care that they didn't add anybody special, okay? Um, the Jacksonville Jaguars are still going to be in the conversation for top five best in football. Okay, that's um, two, two of yep, the five. That's two. The Ravens, even though they lost C.J. Mosley and Zadarius Smith, you Earl know, they Thomas. regained Earl Thomas, right? Uh, they have some young players who are coming up the ranks there. I think that's another group. I'd sit there and go, they're in the top five. Yeah. I don't care about free agency. So there's three off the bat. Um, let me just give a quick look at the scroll. It's a podcast. We can cut out the dead time if no, it we becomes don't. We too actually long. Don't cut, we don't, won't cut out the we dead time. We won't cut time, out the good yeah. time. Okay, okay. So let me just make sure. Ooh, ooh man. Oh, gosh. Oh, let's see. Uh, you know, there's ooh, Dallas Cowboys. You know, the fact that they resigned to Robert Quinn on the edge and then already just resigned to DeMarcus Lawrence, right. that to me would be another team. Again, they still didn't need there. a lot. Is is still in the top five defense of uh, conversation. And I just want to make sure, hold on, everybody. From what I'm hearing here, it's tough to it's tough for any team to move into the top five with free agency alone. Like if you were a top five defense last year, you have a good chance of being you, a good yeah, five unless you were just exactly right. Unless you were just totally decimated with now, what you see more is like I think about a Green Bay Packers team who was in the twenties last year in defense, or maybe the tens. I'm I'm a little off, but either way, they made additions to where I go, 
ooh, watch out for that team. They could be in the conversation for the top five defensive right. football this year. I think that's one thing that I look at. But uh, I think overall, and I just want to give one more look here, and then we can move on to the next question because I feel like I'm missing one team that might have killed it in free agency that I'm leaving out. I mean, the 49ers made some moves on the defensive side of the ball. Yes, they did. They have um, a little ways to go. Yep. I mean, hey, the Jets getting C.J. Mosley, that was pretty awesome, certainly. Like I said, the Green Bay one jumps out to me. Hey, I'd watch out for the San Francisco 49ers with D Ford and Quan Alexander sure. now having the number two pick coming up. I think they're a team that I would go, they're very much capable of being in that conversation. And again, people got to remember, 49ers were, what, the 10th or 11th best defense in football last year, a lot better than I think the public gives them credit for. But there you go. Sorry if that wasn't a little more specific. No, that's but, good. Uh, that one caught me off guard. Okay, uh, that's the whole point of this whole thing. We're Thank you. Me off guard. Good. Uh, a little more with the 49ers here. Spitman 209 says, what else do the 49ers need to do to solidify their chances to make it to the playoffs this year? You should do a post-free agency divisional ranking and talk through strengths and weaknesses of schedule and play. You'll do yeah, that. Yeah, I think sure. we will. We'll We're going to hit on that. When, when uh, the timing is right, it might not be till after. After the draft, excuse me, I keep burping up my yeah, um, what's going on? What my coffee. I think it's I oh, drank too coffee. much coffee. Yes, thank you. Right before the podcast. Yes, and it will, it, during the podcast as well. Oh, no. <laughs> so it's going to keep it's happening. It's going to continue. Okay, that's okay. Um, the 49ers, okay, offensive and defensive line. Don't need much there, okay? Let's just talk about the needs of the football team in general. And, you know, hey, you're sitting at number two, which to me just screams Joey Bo or Nick Bosa, excuse me. So that's me. the next one, too. And or Quinn and Williams. They're asking you, yeah. If, if Kyler goes number one, yes. where would you go, Bosa or Quinn? So yeah, we'll I put think, them both together here. Okay, sure. So I'll answer that question quick because that's the easy one to go to. I think I would go Nick Bosa as much as I actually think Quinn and Williams is the slightly better player over Nick Bosa. But I look at the, you got to look at your team and where you're at. You know, defensive tackle is not a huge need for the San Francisco 49ers. They got the two, you know, Oregon uh, trees in the middle, Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckter. Yeah. They also got Solomon Thomas, who's a defensive tackle, defensive end hybrid. I would go Nick Bosa because then you started to get into a special defense where you go, wow, we got good defensive tackle play, and we got D Ford and Nick Bosa coming off the edge. That's some Seattle type stuff there. So I would go Bosa. And then to add to the rest of even, the question. Even though Nick Bosa. Yeah. Is, would the Trump would be, stuff? would be entering into the most liberal football yeah. city in the NFL. Yeah, I don't know why he brought that up. I just would like to question that. I mean, it was out actually, there before. It was out there before. I mean, right. I, I had heard that he, okay. had, he had tweeted a lot about, uh, you know, about Trump and was a Trump supporter and you right. know, derogatory towards Colin Kaepernick and all, all that. So that I had heard that stuff even before this. Yeah, no, week, I mean, so. listen, I'm not in love with that. Uh, he's certainly got to be careful. Yeah, there's going to be a certain faction of people out there that are not going to love Nick Bosa for those things. Uh, and again, you know, I've said this already. I, I, Colin Kaepernick, did I agree everything he made or, or did how he did it? No, not exactly. But I do believe in the fight he was fighting against. The cause was just. I've witnessed it. I've seen it. So I don't like that Nick Bosa called him a clown when the guy he supports is the, like the clowniest guy I know on the planet right now who's more of a millennial than any millennial I know. So I want to push back there, but that's a story for another time, okay? <laughs> I'll leave that alone. But, I mean, if it's so – I mean, if you say I, I like Quinn and Williams as a player and I think he – and if it's that close, I know Bosa you just said is a yeah. better fit for right. what the 49ers have defensively right. so far. But if you are splitting hairs like that and you're thinking like, man, maybe our fan base really – Really won't well, appreciate they, this guy. They, then. If, yeah, if they start to do, and you know, again, come, teams hire research firms to kind of gauge temperature of these kind of things. If we did draft this guy, how is this going to be received? Whatever it may be, this will probably be thrown into the equation for like a team like the 49ers now. 
you know. And if they don't feel like it's too big of a deal, I don't think it'll change anything. But if they got some report back and Jed York and Kyle Shanahan and John, and John Lynch yeah. look at it and we're like, holy crap, 90% of our fans are saying they're going to hate us if Nick Bowe, then they might go, damn, maybe we need to readjust here. That sure. could be a possibility. But the I 49ers, do, I, another difference-making yeah, receiver, cool. okay? Last thing there. And really probably another difference-maker at the corner position. You know, again, I think this roster is close. 49ers are those teams that I would say watch out for this year. This is the year I think they can legitimately make a playoff run. But I think receiver and another legitimate difference-making, even DB in general, safety or corner, yeah. would be the two things I would look at. I will say one more point about yeah. the Nick Bosa and to, to the 49ers. Just by sheer percentages, probably 40%, maybe 30% of that locker room already is maybe on the Trump side. You or, think so? Absolutely. Why? I mean, just because that's his You're approval rating. By numbers? Donald Trump's approval rating. I don't think that holds true in, in a locker room. Okay. I think it's a different but group of people. But it may be 20%. It yeah. may be 15%. And that would be... That'd be 10 guys still. I, you're, you're right. It, it, well, I'll say I know this much. I know that early on in the whole Donald Trump thing, it was an issue in locker rooms. I have been told by coaches and even players that even some of his supporters within a locker room have turned on him a little bit in the NFL just because he's not exactly shown what it's take to be a great leader. And I yeah, think sure. some of those guys that were kind of favoring him at first have backed off of that because yeah. of some of the – controversial things he does on a weekly basis. Okay. Let's get out of the political thing. Yeah, I, I, get very right. ner- I get nervous. I know you do. I, I don't nervous. get nervous. You don't get nervous at all. I don't care. It makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. I, I get well, very, Yep. He makes me uncomfortable on a daily basis, very so I'm going to give it back to you. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> uh, Decrum at Decrum says, that's an interesting idea here. He goes, why not run a quarterback sneak with Saquon Barkley? He, he goes back to the Atlanta game. Eli ran two in the last minute, gained zero yards. Surely Saquon would be powerful enough to either go through or jump over the, uh, or over the line. Love the pod. That's why we put this question out there. Thank you, uh, Decrim. So why not Decrim? put Decrim? Um, it's actually a brilliant idea. Put it's, Saquon at, at It's a brilliant idea. Now, the thing, the only hurdle you got to get there is quarterback to running back exchange, right? That's going to be the thing you're going to have to – because if Saquon Barkley fumbles the snap on a fourth and one situation in a big moment – everyone's going to go, what a bunch of fucking idiots the Giants are. Yep. Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you let Eli Manning take the snap? Yeah. Saquon Barkley hasn't took a snap all game long. And I think ultimately that's probably what will scare coaches. Now, maybe they should get in the pistol and just do something like that. Yeah. Give them the running head start We've to do it. We've seen some of that We've wild seen some of that, right. You know? Cam Newton does that, right? It's the same type of thing. But honestly, it's still a very good idea. You just would have to make sure you get the reps and really get the running back greased up on how to handle a snap. Because in short yarded situations, let me just say this much too, the snap changes compared to other plays. The center, his butt is tight because he's going, I got two guys right over me and I need to snap the ball and get off the ball and get low and not get blown back. Mm -hmm. And they tend to change the way they snap the ball in those situations. Always made me nervous. So that would be another thing I would throw out there. But good good idea by Deckram. I, play, I played high school quarterback for a few years. Yeah. Honestly, the thing that scared me most going into the game, the thing I was most nervous about right. was the snap. Yeah. I felt sure. I, the snap is actually more difficult than I think most people it's a, realize. It's a little bit of an art form. It is. Right? Knowing how to place the hand, what the play is. You know, what is the center's responsibility and kind of having a feel of, okay, I got to keep my hand next to this guy's, you know, 
uh, junk area and, and put it into a good spot and you hope that your your hands yeah, are wide and clean you know it's and like and yeah right. you don't jam any fingers because right. i certainly have i did too time. right i dislocated my ring finger a bunch uh, um okay from capsi 91 we're going through our whole mailbag edition here these are questions are great so far questions from uh, you guys the listeners what up capsi uh, after seeing the chargers get absolutely diced by the patriots in the playoffs do you think uh, gus bradley or any other seattle scheme defense uh, will expand their ideology and add more schemes to the mix or just stay somewhat stubborn with their cover three, press, uh, yeah, press, bail. All, all, press bail all the time. Yeah, yeah. well, this is, a, this is an avid listener. This is somebody that knows me and knows this is one of my pet peeves in the NFL. You know, one of my issues with the Seattle scheme defense is, of course, it became popular because Seattle was so successful. So then it filtered throughout the league. Everybody started stealing their coaches, right? So, you know, we have the Atlanta Falcons and Dan Quinn. He was doing it. The Jacksonville Jaguars are still running the Seattle scheme. The 49ers are running the Seattle scheme. I mean, the Oakland Raiders were, and they're still in a similar scheme. And then, yes, you got the Los Angeles Chargers, and I think I'm missing a team or two that are also, oh, the Dallas Cowboys uh, with Chris Richard down there and Rod sure. Marinelli. That's the Seattle scheme. Yes, my biggest issue with it is if you're not super, super talented and now you have to play a team like the New England Patriots who, one, have a surgical offense, have a smart quarterback, and have faced that defense many times. I mean, they've, they played the Seattle Seahawks in the Super Bowl and the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl, which is two weeks of preparation for the same scheme. So you know their inventory of plays is big time. Right. Yes, those defenses have to be a little bit more creative especially on obvious passing downs and things like that because the good teams, they might feast on the poor a little bit in the NFL, but the good teams, the good offenses with smart quarterbacks, when you go up to the line of scrimmage and they know what defense you're in uh, and the offensive coordinator knows what defense you're going to play, man, you're going to get carved up just like they did in that playoff game. You have to throw some curveballs at the OC or you have to be – Seattle of 2014 or 13, 100%. who's crazy talented, or That's maybe the, the Jacksonville too. Jaguars. Yeah. They can get away with it, too, because they got super freaks at corner, freaks at linebacker. That'll make any scheme look pretty exactly good. Exactly right. Yeah. I mean, you could go in there today and be like, hey, guys, I saw this on Madden last yeah. week. I'm going to run <laughs> yeah. this defense. And, yep. you know, you would be them for a few weeks, and people would be like, hey, Ahmed, Ahmed Farid is a pretty good defensive coordinator. Totally, yeah. And then be like, yeah, no, 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 I'm not. They just have amazing players. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> they're basically doing whatever they want to out there yeah. and making up the rules right. as they go. And, right. and, 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 yeah, they're, they're awesome. Um, so, speaking of Aaron, you, you brought up Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the next one comes from Matthew Cole Webb that says, uh, what will the Packers offense look like? Hackett made Bortles serviceable. Will he make Aaron Rodgers into football's Thanos? It's Thanos, right? Thanos, Is that yes, yes. Not a big movie. Guy. Avengers. That's Avengers. you got to okay. catch up on those, okay? I, I, I would need to watch them all. It's a, cal it's a culture thing. you got to start watching. Okay. And all the right. new one's coming He's out. He's the big, like, big guy that's like a rock He guy, beat the kinda. Avengers. I mean, nobody. The bad guy so won the done. last the one. The movies are done now. No, they're not. Because they beat them back. They're oh, they, back. how are they going to come back? Because they're not dead. He just beat them. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. He may have won the battle, but, but not he did the, in the war. war right? Okay, it's a long it. war. It's okay. apparently okay. a five-movie war. I do need to catch up on it because it it's is, worth it. it. It's worth it. It comes up in conversation, and I'm totally lost. Every yeah. Time. No, it, it is cool. I enjoy it. And uh, the Hulk will be back for this one. The Hulk was a little gun shy. He came in with a game plan to fight Thanos. He came in to fight Thanos, and his game plan. He got. You know what they say about game plans. All good and fine until so you get, get punched, punched in the mouth. The, yeah, he got punched in the mouth, and it was the first time he's like, "Oh shit, that hurt." So he he was out of the cold. Wow. Yeah, okay, yeah, in. he became I'm gun in. shy. I'm in now. Um, but 
back to the <laughs> point since we went down Avengers. Yeah. I do think um, the offense is going to look different. The first thing is, I think it's the first time you're going to see a concerted effort to run the football in Green Bay mm. because, hey, our man there, he just mentioned, Nathaniel Hackett made Bortles serviceable. How did he make him serviceable? Look back at that year. They were one of the best running football teams that year. They ran the ball and beat their head against the wall, continuing to run the ball. So I think you're going to see that because Lafleur who's from McVay Shanahan scheme, he believes in the run game too. We saw with Derrick Henry. That's going to be the first change you're going to see. Then off of that, I think what you'll see even more, and which is just absolutely tailor-made for Aaron Rodgers and his absolute blasphemy that he hasn't had this in his offense, is bootlegs and more play-action passes. I mean, Aaron Rodgers with a run game. Oh, we have to fake the run. Oh, no, Aaron Rodgers is 10 yards deep now. And, whoa, has his receivers had a lot of time downfield to work some, you know, intricate deep down the field routes. And now you got maybe the greatest thrower of the ball down the field in the history of the sport to do that. I think that's where they're going to be more exciting this year. You know, it might not – it's not maybe 40 passes a game, you know, five yards at a time, five yards at a time. I think you're going to see a better coached offense, a more well-rounded offense. And Aaron Rodgers can make any play a bootleg, basically. He did. Well, that's <laughs> yeah. what he's had to that's do the last did. two yeah. years. I that's mean, that's what, what he's had to do. It's been, so you know. actually a design bootleg might be something. Yeah, so a set up, and a guy's running a post corner, and oh, my gosh, and here comes the howitzer, and shoo, down the I field. I love watching Aaron Rodgers play. It's, I mean, it's he's addictive. So, he's so fun to watch it, play. It is fun. Create, and you just feel like he can pull it off every yep. time. No uh, doubt about it. This one is uh, – from Chandler Pickett says, more baseball than football, but I'm curious. Okay. Uh, what happens to the Oakland Athletics in the whole Kyler Murray situation? Does the MLB reward them because their first-round pick backed out, or is that pick lost forever? Actually, I do know the answer to this one. Go ahead, because so, I um, think I know, but I don't know. So, so yeah, he, he was picked number nine overall right. by the A's. Yep. They thought when they picked him, when they picked Kyler Murray, yeah. I mean, he hadn't started yet for Oklahoma. Right, he only he played was, a few games for Texas A&M, right, or not even – yeah, not he, even that. Yeah, he was a super. I mean, they knew he was a super athlete. Right. They scouted him um, as a guy who could be center field. I think play center, yeah. play outfield for right. him. He was raw. He was still raw, but they felt like he was the athlete that could do it. And so yep. they, hey, let's take a chance on him. They had. They did not even think that th there was a possibility he was going to go to the NFL. That was like they. They knew he was. A, they were going to give him the year because that's what they felt like he wanted to do. And if they didn't do that, then maybe they couldn't sign him. Yep. Like we'll give you this year, and then you'll come play for us after that. Um, but so they don't get the they, they get nothing back, right? They lose that number they nine lose. overall pick, which is super valuable. And they have rights to him though, still, right? Am I they right? They do that? still have rights to right. him. So the the signing bonus they partially paid to him, uh, he has to pay back. Yep. So he pays he pays that back and gets none of the money. So the A's are out no money. You know they didn't have to they didn't lose money here, but they lost the number nine overall pick in baseball, which, which is valuable. Which is valuable. And normally, you know, if you if you pick a guy and he doesn't sign, you get that pick back the next year. You gotcha. get that pick along with the, the pick that you get. Right. But if since he signed, since he signed and then went and played football, you just you get the money back. Yeah. But you don't get that pick back. So. Yeah, that's right. Okay, that's they're that's, pretty depressed about that. Yeah, I'm sure they that's are. Losing, I mean, he I looked mean, like just the highlights I've seen. Imagine a football team. All of a sudden, you pick a top guy in the top ten, and then he doesn't sign. Right. And you get nothing for that. You just right. lose it. I no. Mean, that's like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Bo Jackson. It was a vice versa situation. Yeah, they yep. drafted Bo Jackson. He sat out. The year was over. They lose rights for him. The Oakland Raiders drafted him the next year. Imagine that. And that was it. Isn't that crazy? Just lose the yeah. number one pick. Um, okay, this one is from A. Coster Andy. This one you might have to jog your memory a little okay, bit. Okay, I got it. He goes, what is your favorite NFL memory? Your favorite memory from the NFL? If you, if you were to pinpoint one 
Gosh, I, I got a lot. I mean, I, I do. I have know a, it's hard to put just one. Right? It, it is hard. I mean, really, my favorite NFL memories, oddly enough, are probably through my dad. I mean, it, honestly, I mean, I got something for my. But yeah, I mean, you know, still, it, it still was very special to be able to grow up on a Sunday afternoon, and I'm 10 years old, and it's like, what are you doing today? Well, I'm in the car going to watch my dad play against Reggie White as a quarterback. I mean. That's kind of special. It almost sounds crazy as I say it out of my mouth right now. So I have a lot of great memories there. Of course, being on the field in Super Bowl 21, a special day for my dad when he won the MVP after the game. I still feel like I can smell the grass that day, even though I was six and a half, and I can remember being out there, all of that. But for me personally, it's either one or two Redskin games in the 2005 season. One was a regular season game where I threw a – uh, game-tying touchdown pass with like 38 seconds left. The Redskins jumped off sides twice on the extra point. And then Gruden called us off the sideline and said, let's go for two. And we gave the ball to Mike Allstott, and he met LeVar Arrington right there and like got in by two inches to give us a two-point conversion and win the game 36-35. Wow. So that was a special moment for me. And then we played them in the playoffs that year, and this is my only playoff game I ever played in my career. We lost. We were the better team on the field that day. We blew it. Um, you know, uh, I had two passes get tipped to the line of scrimmage. They got intercepted. Uh, uh, Cadillac Williams fumbled when he was down in the middle of a pile, and Sean Taylor picked it up and ran for like a 50-yard touchdown. Wow. We lost the game in a shocking way. And what to year end was it, that? This is 05, and we were Calvin Johnson ruled. I was really the first Calvin, one of the first Calvin Johnson ruled guys. I threw a touchdown pass to a guy named Adele Shepard late in the fourth quarter that was going to tie the game. He caught it. He crossed the goal line. He fell to his knees, still had it, fell to the ground, and lost control of it, and we got no touchdown. It would be a touchdown now, this day and age. We think. We, we think. Know, we're we're sure. But, yes, so those are my memories. Sorry for the long answer. No, that's good. So yep. are either any of those plays, like your, if you had to pick like one your favorite play that you made, oh. you go back and you look back and you're like, oh, my God, I love watching – that play. I ran, I scored a touchdown in that playoff game. I did a bootleg on a third and one from the one yard line, yeah. and it got a little dicey at the corner of the end zone, and I had a dive in the end zone. So I have a diving touchdown playoff score, and then I threw the ball to the pirate ship. And everybody <laughs> tells me, whoa, everybody tells me my ball went into the hole that the cannons were in, and they even said that on TV during the game. So that will be my one play memory. Your there. favorite play yes. of all time. Right. That, I, I like that. Either that malfunction, yeah. malfunction the pirate ship, but that's okay. It was they, worth it. That's all right. They put it on my tab. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'll I'll pay for that after the game. Yeah. Uh, I actually had to pay twenty five hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. Because he can't throw the ball in the stands <laughs> yeah. as a player. Great a great season, Chris. We're just gonna need twenty five. Twenty five hundred dollars. It was on my uh, locker room yeah. bench the the Wednesday after the game. The ship is jacked up. Mm-hmm. We need to pay for that. Uh, this one comes from uh, a busy dad. Could be a, either. Welcome one to of the us. club. <laughs> no. Ooh, you're gonna like this one. Yeah. Because you're kind of you're, you're you like the conspiracies, right? I do. Uh, he goes. This one's not football related. He goes. Who killed JFK? I know you know Sims, and I love conspiracies. Do you I like know that? this? Do well, you know that? I, I'm a very, this is one of my, I've only read one book in my life, okay? And one of the, the one book I read was on JFK murder, okay? Okay. So I am very much into this subject. This, again, this must be a loyal listener. Hey, the one thing I can tell you that definitely who didn't kill him was Lee Harvey Oswald, okay? 
He was a total martyr setup guy in this whole thing. Was part of the CIA at one point. Yeah. I mean, defected to Russia and was allowed back in America in 24 hours without asking. At that time, during the Cold War and those issues, we didn't just let people from Russia back in. Uh, just like, oh, yeah, cool. You're seem like a cool one. We'll let right. you in. So, um, yeah, that's the one thing I can tell you is Lee Harvey didn't do it. Uh, but there was definitely a person on the grassy knoll, okay? So there was somebody there and somebody behind him at some mm -hmm. point. And to me, I don't know exactly who the people are, but it definitely seems like an inside government job so you're from everything that I've read. 80% sure. 90% yeah. sure. 100% sure. I'm a pretty about a government inside government. Job. Definitely. It's just it's so obvious. It's it's crazy. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, come on. The president's going through the city of Dallas and they have way less than normal people on the streets, secret service people there to protect him. It was a coup d'etat. What are the other conspiracies that, that are conspiracies out there and people think are crazy, but you actually think have a legitimate point? Oh, gosh. I know, I do have Flat Earth. Flat Earth. The Earth could be flat. No, that's absolutely insane. I mean, you, look, we, you look far enough. seems pretty flat. Well, it's almost like the flat Earth is almost, <laughs> you're funny, <laughs> is like so ridiculous. I mean, it's like almost like saying there was no gunman on the grassy knoll. Like when the guy's head goes this way yeah. and blows up this way, something came from that direction. Okay, I'm sorry to get graphic here with this. I don't want to talk about the government. I don't want to talk about the government anymore. Yeah. It's making me. That's making me. Uncomfortable it's the only thing I've liked that Trump's done so far is he wanted to release the JFK information. Yeah, what happened to that? Because though? they stopped it. Because there's crap in there. I'm sure that says the government, our own government, killed them. And they were yeah. like, hey, whoa. Yeah, they're yeah. they're now recording this podcast. Good. They're, they're listening in on this podcast. If I right disappear, now. you know who did it. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> this one is from Belfast Pet, uh, Pat's fan. Hello, Belfast. Belfast, Ireland. Northern Ireland. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Okay. Uh, just wanted to say I really enjoy the show. Thank you. That's it. That's why. That's why we put him in here. No, he has more. Uh, your breakdown of scouting each position and the small details you look for is great to hear. Okay, more compliments. Thank you. I like this guy. I could have edited that part out, but I kept <laughs> that in there. Uh, you expand the knowledge for all of us. Oh, my gosh. He's gushing. This guy's awesome. Please keep it up. Keep owning Florio on the need for a draft. Yeah. What's that? Well, Florio is like anti-draft because he's not an expert on the draft, so he's He's anti. He thinks you should get rid of it. Well, no, no. He, well, yeah. He wants the draft. He thinks players should be able to pick where they go. At time, that's where he wants to do it. Florida, like, talk like about total, like total free agency. This want, guy's got more crazy ideas than it. Yes, he wants total free agency, which I don't think is that crazy. You know, I mean, it would be pro player, right? If any every player could negotiate his own deal, seems like a mess right. every year. But I mean, yeah, it would be a kind of a pain in the butt when like all thirty-two team, all thirty-two players that are supposed to be first-round picks go. I want to play for New England, right? I, oh yeah, I want to go win a Super Bowl, and I know the money is going to play into that, all that too. Yeah. But uh, we're gonna, we're gonna. I have been owning Florio in the draft lately too. Our draft <laughs> on the show, everything. So he's anti-draft because you're just schooling oh, about all the players. Oh, even the draft that's yeah. going on in two weeks, he wants to avoid it sometimes and just talk about other stuff because uh, he doesn't deem himself well, as an expert in the draft. Belfast Pats fan thinks you should keep going on it. So keep, keep, uh, keep doing that. Okay, right. this one's from uh, Sapoon Duda who says, if we're gonna go down the path of Wilson being traded from the Seahawks. A lot of chatter yeah. on that right now. Yes. You, you've chattered in on that. Yes, you've I have. chimed in. Yep. Uh, what kind of an offer would it take from someone to go get him? And honestly, who would be able to pull it off? Right. So, so let's give some background on this. So okay. Russell Wilson, we've kind of thought, you know, he is Seattle. 
Yeah. And he's the quarterback, and they groomed him, and not a whole lot of people believed in him because right. he was shorter and smaller, but Seattle did. Boom, match made in heaven. He'll be a lifelong Seahawk guy. And then you kind of said, well, hold on. Pump the brakes on that a little bit. Yeah, well, I, I just think, you know, paying attention to the media over the last month and things that are going on in Seattle, whether it's Russell Wilson, you know, and his crew planting a question to Jimmy Fallon to ask him about being the highest paid player ever. I mean, I made fun of that. I don't think Jimmy Fallon's like on spot track or like doing free agency in his yeah. free time going, oh, I wonder when Russell will get signed up here. I mean, that was such an obviously planted question there. You know, the rumors came out about Russell Wilson maybe wanting to play for the Giants, right? That came out around that time. Uh, Russ Sierra wants to get out of town. All of those things. That came out. And then Jack Del Rio, yeah. okay, recently coming out and saying, don't be surprised if Russell Wilson gets traded. Hey, Ken Norton Jr. used to be on Jack Del Rio's staff. Ken Norton Jr. is back in Seattle. Coaches usually don't say things like that unless they know something. Yeah. I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but he might have heard that they're thinking about it, whatever it may be. So my history and knowledge of being around the NFL and things, when I hear so many things like that, it makes me think things are real. Yeah. Uh, yes. And one, I don't think Seattle's that scared to get rid of Russell Wilson because I think they look at it and go, we won our first Super Bowl with run the ball, Marshawn Lynch, play defense, Russell take care of the ball, and make a play here and there, right? Yeah. And that, that's no disrespect to Russell Wilson because sure. he's the man right now. But that's how the Seahawks dynasty or let's say their run was built, right? I mean, it was built on that. Defense, yep. run the ball and take care of the ball, and Russell make a play here and there. And they've gotten rid of a lot of defensive stars. Right. And I, think they're, and I think they're starting to start back at scratch. And yeah. I think Pete Carroll's looking at it, and John Schneider, who are guys that are not afraid to make bold decisions, as we've seen, I think they're going, we're not afraid to do that again. I think we can do this. And I think Russell Wilson, conversely, is the same way. I think he, in a lot of ways, he loves Seattle. I'm sure he wants to stay there. But I don't think he's, like, afraid of, like, the challenge of, oh, I got to go prove myself in New York or, you know, yeah. L.A. or whatever like, it may be. He's like, pay me or trade me. Right. He's like, pay me or trade right. me. Yeah. Giants, Chargers, Oakland Raiders, if it doesn't work out with Derek Carr this year. Those would be the three teams. I don't think it happens this year. But I think we're they're they're flirting with danger here, and that this being the last year of his contract could become a thing at the end of next year. First round pick for him. Multiple, yeah, probably multiple, multiple first picks. round picks. What's going to hurt his value just a hair is the fact that he's going to ask for a contract to be the highest paid player in the history of the sport. Yeah. So they're not going to be able to ask for something totally insane in the trade department. But yes, I mean, really, for a guy like Russell Wilson, you might have to give up two ones and some other stuff. If not two ones, maybe you give up a number one and two number twos right. and, you know, a number three to go along with it. It's certainly going to take a lot to get them. I mean, Khalil Mack, too, the Bears, they gave up two first-round picks yes. and paid them a lot of money, too. I know, so I know. If right. they believe in the player. Yeah, that's right. You go for it. You can, you can go for Khalil it. Khalil Mack is in the prime of his career, too. You know, Russell is still in the prime, but he's going to be starting to hit the downslope here very yeah. shortly. Not to say he's not going to still be awesome. AK907I says, uh, did you have more fun your best season in the pros or at Texas? Oh, that's a very good question as well. Both were fun. I mean, uh, being the quarterback of the University of Texas and the team we had there, we were a top five team and a top ten team, you know, three out of the four years. Top five team, I believe, you know, my last two years, it's a blast. I still think probably the NFL, though. Um, would be the the advantage. You know, the NFL is just a little bit different of a a world in general. You know, you can be a star at a college campus, 
But when you're the starting quarterback of an NFL team in a city that, of course, has an NFL team, and most of those cities, football is very important to those people in the city. Yeah. Plus, the things you have you know, at your disposal are greater in the NFL, too. Of course, you're of the drinking age. You have cash in your pocket. You have... Well, you don't need to use it to buy drinks, though, because they always say like, you, you never have to buy a drink here again. No, you might not, but you can also buy a lot of other cool things to make yeah, the days a lot more fun, too, whether that's, you know, jet skis or whatever else, you know, something like that. Although, let's be honest, in college you could buy that stuff, too, because all these schools pay... That, you know, recruits to come. Texas to doesn't do that stuff. We don't do that. We don't have to. Don't even take me down that road. My friends are going to get mad at me if I even try to mess with that. I last time I messed what? with that subject. What do you mean? I had ex-teammates calling me like saying squash that shit, and I was like, listen, you didn't listen to the whole thing. I was talking about all schools. Everyone gets oh, paid a little so money off have, the now books. Now you have to say that Texas doesn't because your friends get. No, mad. they really okay. don't though. Texas doesn't. They have a great pride in going. We're the University of Texas. We're special. This they don't special have program. to. They don't have to. Right. Exactly right. But the other thing maybe too, now they have to, to, but back then they definitely didn't have to. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe now they do have to, to rebuild things. <laughs> uh, the other thing too, and just to be totally transparent, you know, um, the women are on a different level in the NFL. Sure, okay. You know, it's and you're in college, it's college girls. When yeah. you're in the NFL, it's all kinds of girls. Okay. And uh, that added to the <laughs> the fun nights as the well. The enjoyment of it as yes, well. Okay, right. All exactly right. right. All right. Yeah. How often have you talked about that with uh, any significant others? With my wife? Oh, well, yeah. Unfortunately, I was not the best early days in my career, so she's very aware of that. I'm very <laughs> transparent, hence hence the unbuttoned. I will always let you know. Absolutely, yeah. right? Yeah. Transparency is always a good, you know, be honest. I'm right? just, just not smart enough know. to remember my bullshit, so I just true. I just go, let's be honest, because I can't go, remember my bullshit. People go, I, I just want you to be honest. But then there are times when you're totally honest. Honest, and they go, I'd rather not have known that. Well, then I would rather you didn't say that, too. and I think that yes. I, I now wish you hadn't have said that and just <laughs> pretend you didn't say that. Uh, Ken Dugo says, or uh, this is a quick baseball one, Yeah. as a diehard Yankees fan, what do you think of the season so far? Well, I mean, it's so-so so not far. Great. Not great. we got a lot of injuries. A ton of injuries. And I'm not, like, in on baseball yet. When I get out of the draft and we start to get deeper in the NBA playoffs, I start to turn on the Yankees every night. Right now I'm kind of just going, did we win last night? Did we not? Um, yeah. So It's way early. I think way they're, early. Five, they're five and seven right now. I think something like that. Everyone's hurt. Luis Severino's hurt. Yeah. Giancarlo Stanton's hurt. I got faith. I like the team. I really do. Now, listen, I'll, I'll say this right off the bat. I still don't think they should have got rid of Joe Girardi. But other than that, I still think oh, this team is special. Couple, that, you're still harping on that. You're still mad about that. He, I do. Aaron Boone brought him to the playoffs last yeah, year. Yeah, I get that. So what? I think you could have brought them to the playoffs last year. I Big probably could have, but yeah. I'm, I, I, I could be a very good manager. Yeah, though. I mean, oh, okay. The, the team that hits the most home runs in the history of baseball in one season got to the playoffs. Must yeah. have been Aaron Boone. It was all him. Although the home run thing, I, I don't give him a whole lot of credit for yeah. that because the Yankee Stadium is like a glorified wiffle ball. Field. It, it it's is. It's kind of like the right field there. I could I could hit one out of right field. Yeah, Okay. We'll see that. I'm going to call them and see if we can go to batting I would practice. Love to do, I would love to I do would that, too. actually. I'm a lefty, too, so that would fit <laughs> me well. Uh, at Four Toe Steve. So, four Toe Steve. Oh, no. Hey. That's Four Toe Steve. I'm Zero Spleen Chris. Nice to meet that you. That is true, right? We're all missing something. <laughs> uh, have you gotten a chance to watch Easton Stick? If so, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Keep killing it, homie. I had all right. So Easton Stick, and it's funny this guy's Phil asking me this. Who's, who's Easton? He's Stick? the North Dakota State quarterback okay. uh, from the Carson Wentz University. There. Okay. Uh, I've only seen a little on him. Okay. So I, I'm going to get into the, to him deeply next week. This is I have even a lot of my friends in the NFL asking me about Easton Stick, 
and I've only seen like a little highlight tape here. I was very intrigued by what I saw, but to be totally honest with everybody out there, hey, my job, uh, not a, in, in talking on TV or the podcast, you know, hey, listeners don't always want to listen to who's the 10th best quarterback on the board. or I think, you know, your, I think your listeners do. They might, and I'm going <laughs> to get there. But at yeah. first I have to hit the big names at all the positions. So I haven't got as deep in the weeds with some of the guys down the line yet was what I'm getting to. Yeah. So uh, next week, I promise you, you're going to get a Nick Easton breakdown of uh, what he is as a player. What have but you I'm heard, intrigued. What, what rumors have you heard? Have you heard any Well, I think he's a guy of... that's on a fringe. What, what was that back there, Pete? Is Pete talking to you? Oh, oh we're yeah. getting late-breaking news. Welcome to the show, Easton Stick. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> did I say that? <laughs> no. Uh, okay. Uh, oh, oh I said Nick Easton. That's oh. what I did. I'm an idiot. Who's Nick yeah. Easton? Do you I don't know, know what I did. I just made that up. Nick Easton, I want to say, is like some ex-sports player that I don't know. But with yeah. Easton Stick, yes, I am intrigued by what I saw. But I, I know... Um, that's part of the scouting report is getting his name. I mean, that's all got to come. Name you know, comes you... later. I mean, it's like a rookie in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. I don't learn your name until you make the, the team. And until then, I make up a nickname for you. <laughs> uh, but but I, I do think he's one of those guys that's on the fringe of all the names we hear about a lot. The big names. You know, he's not in the Locke, Murray, Haskins category. You know, but then there's that next category of Finley, Stidham, Daniel, jo- Daniel Jones, Will Greer. Those kind of guys. I think Nick Easton's probably towards the end of that group right there. Uh, just from what I hear from friends around the NFL. Okay, I'll be curious to, to hear your opinion after taking a deeper dive. Where did dive. I get Nick Easton from? Is that the court? I've heard oh, of Oh, that's a center from the Easton. Saints. And isn't the Georgia quarterback something Easton? I thought that's sort of too. Maybe that's where I was getting it. Uh, this one's coming from K. Gogger99. And he says, I'd like to know what changed your opinion on Hopkins this past season. A year ago, he wasn't elite or in your top five because yep. he was, never got double teamed. Did he add something to his game uh, that you uh, or something that you were previously missing before? And I'll answer this one for you. Yeah. Chris met him. In New York City. And so before that, at that point, he has to change his opinion on him. Because if you're going to meet someone in person, you have to bump him up a little bit. Like, if they're going to come on the podcast, they bump up maybe five spots. Yeah, hey, you're an asshole, and that's not what happened, okay? Uh, The reason we got him and asked him for on the podcast, because he fits the criteria of guys where I always like to give credit to, guys that maybe I was wrong about, one, or guys, uh, number two, that I feel like are not getting the credit that they deserve and other big names at that position are just totally overshadowing everybody at the position. And to me, a DB and a wide receiver, that happens a lot. A wide receiver, all we ever talk about is Odell, Antonio Brown, Julio Jones. And then really the next guy is probably A.J. Green. And we never get into DeAndre Hopkins or Mike Evans who were right there in that class as far as those guys. Now, where I was wrong with DeAndre Hopkins, hey, I'll be the first to tell you, I was probably a little too much into devaluing him because of run yards after catch at times. I also probably um, let the fact that he had bad quarterback play I let it bleed onto him and his game a little bit when I don't think that was fair. I think where I started to change my mind was really last year with Deshaun Watson when I go, oh, here's a quarterback who's just trying to get him the ball consistently, who can at least throw the ball accurately consistently. And then you start to see, okay, yeah, maybe he's not Odell and Mike Evans where he can just beat you deep all the time, but he can beat you deep. You have to be careful of that. His ability to catch the ball in traffic is the best in football. And his ability to catch the ball with back shoulder throws or people all over him 
is the best in football. Michael Thomas is very good at this as well in the New Orleans Saints, and there is some great value to that. It's a great safety net for a quarterback. Plus, I feel like the last two years, I've seen more run after the catch yards and plays like that from a DeAndre Hopkins than I saw early on in his career. So I think that's what changed me, and that's why we reach out to him because I felt like, you know what, I want to self-correct thyself, yep. and I want to give this guy a little more credit than he deserves, and that was really part of the uh, – the, the, the fun we had in New York City. If he keeps showing you things, yeah. he keeps improving, right. how high could he go? Yeah, he... Uh, number one? He can. He could be number one. He certainly has that capability. He does. I, mean, he, I don't think he's ever going to be as electric as Antonio or Odell with the ball in his hands, but he's going to be able to do other things with physicality and jump balls and things like that that they can't do either. Hmm. And... Uh, I think I maybe put too much value on some of the things Odell and Antonio Brown can do and not enough value on the things Hopkins can do. And if he is going to come on the podcast yeah. again, he will be number one because we have to bump him up a little bit more. And so to get him on again, we'll put him. Hey, we'll he thinks him, he's number one, we'll and I have him one. all for that. I mean, I, he's in the conversation. I know that much. I've, I've always thought that. If you're one of the top five at what you do, yes. you should think you're number one. Right. Like, why would you think anyone else is better than you? If you're that elite. Yes. Yeah, you yeah, should. yeah. You, so he you should do. think and he's usually number that's one. what makes him elite is they have that mindset. Uh, this one is uh, it's 1-1. One, one says, who is the best backup quarterback in the history of the NFL? Ooh. In the history of the NFL, I've got the answer to that. Do you? Tom Brady. <laughs> I mean, right. I mean, there's no Seriously. one. There's been no better backup quarterback. But maybe like a career backup. Yeah, a okay, a career backup. Really a starter. Maybe, I know, we're not going to count Nick Foles. No. Yeah, he doesn't. He's out of that list. All right, Frank Reich is firstly the, probably uh, the first yeah. guy that jumps to my mind, right? Where the you just back. go. Yes, yeah. right. You know, I don't know. It, does Jeff Hosteller get part of that? Mm, too much, too much, too much starting starter. eventually. Yeah, too much starting. So that goes, you know, away by the wayside. Um, let me think if we're missing anybody else. Frank Reich is certainly the first guy that pops to my mind. I mean, I mean, more recent times. Yeah, who? I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick seems to every time he goes in, he's never the starter, goes in and becomes the starter because of his play. But then once he's the starter – He's not a great starter. No. He's a good backup. And he has moments of being a great starter, but then he has like moments where you go, what the hell happened to the guy we just saw that was a great starter a few weeks ago? He's looking like a really bad backup now. Correct. So it's a little you, all over the place. Yes. Um, oh, yes. My, uh, producer Pete's getting in my ear going, Jim Sorgi. I mean, I guess. How would we even know he was a good backup? He never got on the freaking field. I, it has you know? to be. He ha In the opportunities that he's gotten, he's excelled. No, nope. That's why you said Frank it's Reich. It's not Chase Daniel, but that's why I said Frank Reich. Exactly right. Oh, yep. like Steve Bono, okay? Mm -hmm. yeah. You remember him back mm -hmm. of the Kansas City Chiefs, 49ers days? He could come in at a jam where I'd say, if we're just going to go true elite backups. Yeah. These guys are backups, except for a handful of starts here and there through their career. Right. Them. You know another one? Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett was an extremely – Jason Garrett won games for that damn Dallas Cowboy team in their Super Bowl run years uh, more than once when Troy Aikman got hurt or had issues. So yeah. he would be another guy I'd throw in that conversation. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I like that. I like that whole uh, idea. We should do that. We should do the top uh, five. It is. One day we'll it, got the top my brain, five. it got my brain stirring for sure. Backup quarter – because it, at the point that they play too much and start too much, they're no then longer – they're out of they're it. They're out of it. Exactly. They've, they've, they've graduated to, uh, to a yep. bad starter. Kurt Warner was a great backup. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, this one comes from DJ Ambrosif. Have you ever been to Australia? And – 
Can you convince your bosses to come out on a working holiday and record a pod in Australia? Gosh, that would be amazing. I want to go to Australia yeah, like badly. Never been there. Never been to that. Well, I guess I've been to is Tokyo in that same hemisphere. Would that be considered that hemisphere? Yeah. Yes, right. I mean, Australia is kind of out on its, it's own. Woof. You, even from from anywhere to get to Australia from any part in the world. I don't know this for a fact, but I think it's like a 15-hour flight. Oh, well, I think it's even more it's than like, oh, from anywhere in the world. It's like yeah. out, it's from like here. Out it's probably there. like 20 something hours. Yeah. That's the only thing that I why I don't want to go is I just don't want to deal with the flight. But at some point in my life, that is going to happen. And if NBC could make that happen in a you know a summer when yeah. we have a little time to get away and they'll pay for the trip. I'm there, broski. Well, I'm there. Let's figure out a reason. There's got to be a reason, right? There's yeah. got to be someone who's out there or or we want to look at uh, rugby and the, rugby, yeah, rugby players, and check scouts. some scouts, some ass and legs and the rugby players. And put them through like an NFL combine type workout. Oh, yeah. The top rugby players in the world in Australia. And we put them through an NFL combine type workout and see how they compare. That would kind of be cool. And I want to go to the Australian Open in tennis, too. I've always kind of wanted to do that. We'll, we'll, but it looks we'll, so freaking hot all the time. I'm always like, damn, hot. I don't know if I can. I'm, I'm, I'm too white to sit there in the sun all day long. You wear, you wear one of your uh, huge hats. Hat. Yeah, yeah, they have a hat there. I would definitely need it with you 50 sunscreen on top of that. You no, know, one of my favorite movies of all. There's a movie I actually did see, Crocodile Dundee. Oh, it's a great one. Such a great movie. Classic. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love Crocodile that. Dundee. Uh, just a really good one movie. and two are phenomenal. They are. When he comes to New York, too, that's another great one. Or is that the one? I can't even remember. It. I got to go back and watch yeah. them. I, I I really like those. Uh, okay, a couple more here because you got a flight to catch here. So when do we need? Yeah. When do we need to get? We you got out a of good here? twenty minutes. Okay, We're good. good. We're good. Okay. Uh, this one comes from Ian Jens, twelve, who said, "Who are some of the best position coaches in the NFL? Other than the obvious ones, um, like Munchak and." Yep, Skarnecchia, offensive line coach for the New England Patriots. Yeah. Yep, hey, they, that's great. Those are probably two of the the obvious ones right off the bat. Okay, other position coaches. Rod, well, Rod Marinelli, who's a defensive coordinator uh, for the Dallas Cowboys, but his specialty is defensive line. You know, I think you could talk to a lot of people in football, and they'd go, oh, he's one of the best coaches in the sport. He might not be a head coach. I know he went 0-16 with the Detroit Lions, but when it comes to defense alignment, getting them to play for him, uh, I think he is in that conversation. Added to a guy which I think was a big improvement to their staff last year, who I would also put in this conversation, is Chris Richard, okay, mm -hmm. who came from Seattle as the, the defensive coordinator secondary guy. He shored up what Dallas was doing in the secondary last year, which I think was the reason we saw big improvements to them. But a guy I look at is certainly one of the top assistants out there. Eric Bieniemy. hey, I just stole offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know how some of these first-time OCs got head coaching jobs in this head coaching cycle over a guy like Eric Bieniemy, who literally coached like one of the best offenses in football this year, but yet we hired other guys who coached 20-something ranked offenses, and we figured that was okay because they and knew Sean know, McVay at some point. Exactly. Right. They didn't know so Sean McVay. that bothers me. Rich Basaccia, special teams coach for the Oakland Raiders. To me, and I might sound biased here, this is something where I think NFL league-wide is missing dropping the ball on some of these type of guys. And Bisaccia, a special teams coach, they know how to motivate, they know how to communicate, they understand the broad scope of football, just like a John Harbaugh does. 
Uh, he would be a guy who was one of the best coaches I was ever with, mm. and he's one of the best special teams coaches, along with Dave Taub uh, and the Kansas City Chiefs, the same type of thing. Guys that get talked about in the head coaching circles, but nobody ever has the guts to hire them because it's just not sexy enough. So those would be some of the guys that right off the bat jump out to me uh, in my mind that I know I'm probably missing a few others. But you're, you're good friends. Make sure to get some of your friends. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, like I'm probably missing a few others. But so those, those are the ones that certainly are the first or less at the top of my list. It's interesting. There's like a couple different – there's a type of coach, right? And there are these coaches that are position coaches that people say, oh, he can be a head coach one day. Right. And then there's the position coaches that are like, you know what, I don't think he can be a head coach, but he was really good being a position coach. If you were a head coach and you were building kind of a staff, what would you rather have? Would you have those guys who are kind of motivated to move up? I'm a position coach now, but I want to keep moving up and become a head coach. Or like the Rod Marinelli's who are – Man, he's just a really good position coach. Yeah. I want to build my whole staff with a bunch of guys like that. So all those guys at their young ages have the aspirations usually to be the head coach or yeah. something until they get to an age or maybe they did it and then they realize, okay, maybe that's not exactly what I'm best fit at. Or, you know, it's very rare that a guy's actually content with just being a coordinator or position yeah. coach. Like Vic Fangio, let's just take him for instance. He was a guy that looked like, oh, he seems like he's comfortable just kind of being that guy. But here he was. He started to get some opportunities. He's like, oh, screw that. I'm going to be a head coach, right? Yeah. So, um, but I. Which the 49ers did mess up when they hired want, Jim Tom Sulo. I want guys that have high aspirations yeah. and want to do something. More likely, more times than not, those guys are the ones who work hard, have great personality, have an end goal in mind, bring great energy on a daily basis. Uh, to me, that's the guy. I don't want a bunch of yes men who are just content with, you know, being a position coach forever. To me, you get too many yes men in your building, then, you know, you're, you're, you're fucking lying to yourself about your team and, and where you are as an organization, and that usually leads to losing ways. Uh, this one comes from Arkel81. Why is the quarterback having the ability to be an offensive coordinator on the field not something that is the most important trait when scouting quarterbacks. Who cares how hard someone throws when they don't know where to throw it? Reading a defense is the most important trait for the quarterbacks. This is the opinion of Arkel81. Yeah, well, it, there's, there's some logic to that, certainly. You know, I think they're putting too much, like, they, they think you need to be a brain surgeon. I could show you a lot of brain surgeons who can read defense, but they don't have the arm or anything else to ever expose it. Or, you know, again, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, people tell you he's the smartest quarterback in football. Man, he's also the dumbest quarterback in football. I mean, he throws some of the dumbest interceptions we've seen in football over the last five years. So it doesn't always translate that way, okay? And, you know, again, it's football. It's not rocket science, okay? So, you know, even as a quarterback, yes, you would prefer somebody smart, but there's been plenty of average smart guys who have been superstars at the quarterback position. When the coach says, hey, we want to run it right, but if there's a safety down there, run the other way. It doesn't take it like a brain surgeon to figure that out. Well, yeah. Wait, wait, Ronnie Lott's there and I run away? Yeah. Okay, hey, check, guys. We're running away from Ronnie Lott. That it doesn't take as much, and it's not as br much brain surgery as the public makes it out to be. Most times, quarterbacks are pretty smart guys. That's why they're in the position to begin with. Does it vary in levels of difference of how smart they are? Certainly. But again, at the end of the day, and I know you don't want just some dumb meathead who's got great physical talent but can never tell a coverage or anything. Right. I get that. I know we don't want that kind of guy, Jamarcus Russell, whatever it be. Like, right, he might fit that mold. Um, but to don't disregard the talent because right. all the greatest quarterbacks of all time that you think are the greatest quarterbacks of all time have great physical ability. They didn't – yeah, they had minds that were good too, but, I mean – 
Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion, is the greatest quarterback ever because his coach and his offensive play designers can call plays and he can make decisions that other guys can't make because he has great physical ability to do it. Like, oh, there's a guy barely open on third and 12. I can fit it in there because I got an amazing arm right. where some other guy who's really smart, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he might see it and go, he's really open, but damn, I got to check it down. I don't have the arm to get that in there. Right. So arm strength and all that is very important for game design play, plays that happen in the game. You run after the catch. Uh, my dad said this yesterday. I, I was never with a receiver who was like, I oh, throw it a little slower. They want the ball now so they yep. can get it in their hands. Who's tackling me? I got to make a move, blah, 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 blah. So it's very important. And to my point again, Aaron Rodgers, I look at him as one of the best quarterbacks ever because he's got some of the greatest skills ever. You know, uh, Dan Marino, who we just talked about, one of the greatest arms ever. John Elway, one of the greatest arms ever. Brett Favre, one of the greatest arms ever. Tom Brady, yeah. one of the greatest arms ever. People miss out on that. Tom Brady could throw the ball 75 yards in the air, and he could throw lasers all over the field. The only guy I would sit here and, and Peyton Manning, maybe not – one of the greatest arms ever, but in his prime, there was never a year where he didn't have one of the right. five best arms in football. And he was a giant man and a really good athlete for being a giant man, too. Back in the day, Joe Montana didn't have a strong That's where I was going. Yeah. There's maybe one of the great quarterbacks of all time where you can go, you know what? His physical attributes are not, like, off the charts special. He was clutch. He was a great rhythm passer. He was uh, had great touch passing. Uh, those and he was a good athlete. Yeah. But yeah, for me again, and I might be in the minority. I mean, yeah, Joe Montana is not one of the five best quarterbacks in the history of the sport. I think there could have been a number of quarterbacks that played in that 49er football team, and they still would have won four Super Bowls. And I don't mean that to take away from anything. Again, let's just be clear. Kind of takes away. It kind of takes. I know away it does, me. but it yet you know he he left the 49ers, and what happened? The 49ers went to the NFC Championship game, the NFC Championship game, the Super Bowl, back to the playoffs. So it's Who not about a better one quarterback, guy. Steve Young or Joe Montana? I think overall at the position, I still would give it to Joe. Yeah. Steve probably had better physical attributes, but, you know, some of the things our guy talking about there, sure. Joe was better at. And it, and it is hard, too. I mean, you don't want to judge and characterize a guy who might not seem like the smartest guy. Like you just mentioned with Gronk, right? Is Gronk like, oh, me, see, football. But as a football savant, he's one of them. You know, he's Would a genius. Would you think Brett Favre to... is a brain surgeon? So that's what I was going to ask. So are there any quarterbacks out there that kind of people seem like, oh, he doesn't seem like the sharpest tool in the shed, but like on the football field, it's like, oh, my God, he sees stuff that no one else sees. Yeah, well, yeah, I think those are those guys that you're yeah. kind of talking about. You know, I, I don't think he was like a brain surgeon, Brett Favre. You know, shit, I don't think my dad, Phil Sims, was a, bra a brain surgeon. You know, but again, he knew enough about football and had instincts. And when he got on the field, it was not too big for him in that moment to where, you know, again, you don't need to have a 35 on the Wonderlick. There's been a lot of Super Bowl quarterbacks who've gotten an 18, a 19. You know, really, for most teams, the line of demarcation is as long as they don't get 15 or under, yeah. they go, they're smart enough to be a successful quarterback in the NFL. Uh, a couple more here. Odd fellow. In, this is also about the quarterback. Yeah. In scouting, if the issue of height with the quarterback is such a huge deal yeah. because of them seeing over the big boys in the offensive line, right. why do scouts measure the standard height and not the distance of the eyes from the ground? Ooh, that's an interesting point because it, that's true. Yeah, Peyton Manning's <laughs> definitely got a little extra room between the top of his eyes and the top of his head. It's like if a giant forehead, <laughs> yeah, exactly. right? You don't want a quarterback with a big forehead because their eyes are... Yeah. That's a good point. It, 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 I mean, if you were going to get really technical, I mean, you're right. That would probably be the correct thing to do <laughs> to get exact measurements about where the eye level is. Yeah. Hey, here's the big thing. 
It is true because we do squabble over like an inch or You're quarter right. of an inch. You're right. I mean, we were, Kyler Murray was going to be looked at in a totally different light if he was five nine and three quarters, yeah. but it said I said five ten, and we were like. But Kyler doesn't have a big forehead, so I think. So I think it's real. Okay. It's a real, yeah. yeah, it's a real five ten. Um, again, size height is not important as this day and age in the NFL as it used to be. You know, the first thing is, and I will always say this: quarterbacks coming to the NFL now have more reps than ever before. I mean, Kyler Murray threw the ball 45 times a game last year at Oklahoma, you know, uh, and I know he wasn't, he didn't play a lot, but, you know, every day in practice, he's getting to throw the ball. He threw the ball a ton in high school. You do seven on seven, you do flag football, you go to camps in the summer and it's more seven on seven and all of that to where I feel like quarterbacks are more accustomed to uh, who are shorter, they've gotten a lot of reps to be, okay, I'm a little shorter, but I've learned how to play this way right. and see through avenues. This is the other aspect where I think everybody's missing when you talk about height is not as important anymore in the NFL. It's still important, don't get me wrong, because size, uh, size is a skill. I think that gets overlooked a lot at the quarterback position. Size is a skill. But the other thing is, you, you watch football, the, the read option. The quick screens out on the edge of a defense, bubble screens, boom, boom. Right. The game has become a little bit more horizontal that way to where what does that do? Now it spreads the field out horizontally to where there's more passing lanes, right? A defensive tackle is going, oh, gosh, I got to worry about this outside zone to the right. So I got to keep my gap and flow over there. And now the defense end is six yards away from him because he's worried about the outside gap. And now Kyler Murray goes, well, look at this. We're throwing a slant. And there I got – I faked that read option, and now I pulled it, and now I got a six-yard window to throw my slant. I don't give a damn if you're 5'1 or 7'4. At that point, it doesn't matter. And I think that's part of the reason uh, it doesn't matter as much anymore either. Interesting. Yeah. Um, how much more time? We're good. Ten minutes. Okay, ten. We got ten minutes left. Yeah. Because I want to get this one. These are all really good questions. They we are should, good we questions. We do the mailbag more often. Yeah, I'm down like for that. Very good. Uh, big one says Tampa Bay. Yeah. Has not sniffed the playoffs since you left. Yeah. I hope you can shed light on uh, the culture of the franchise. No matter the coach, uh, coach, the outcome has been the same. So my question: What the f is wrong in Tampa Bay? Well, yeah, they've had some. Uh, you know, hires at the coaching position that just haven't quite worked out. Greg Schiano went in there, mm -hmm. became a little too hardcore. You know, first of all, they went Raheem Morris. Let's just start there. Raheem Morris probably uh, before he was quite ready to be a head coach. So that started things off a little bit on the wrong note. I, other thing I would argue for Raheem Morris is they spent no money to get him players the year he was the head coach. Then they hired Greg Schiano and spent like $70 million before he ever coached the game to get guys like a bunch of big-time players in the building at the time to improve the team. But Schiano was a little too much of a hard-line guy. I think that drove the team crazy where, you know, he's right. college, get your toes on the line, and, you know, the 3 o'clock meeting starts at 2.55. That's cool in college, but when you have, like, 34-year-old men, they don't want to hear that. I think that got old on that group down there. You know, okay, who am I missing in between there? Oh, Lovey Smith. You know, yes, that didn't work out, so that was kind of a bad hire. Dirk Cutter was okay. It wasn't the worst. Jameis Winston added to the dysfunction there a little bit, okay, at times. But, yeah, I just don't think they've been able to match personnel side as far as getting the roster right. And when the roster is right, the coaching's been a little less than – I think they have finally got it right here. I think Jason Light has built a sneaky good team. Tampa, like I said, with the 49ers, is one of those teams I would say watch out for this year. Not saying they're a playoff team, but there's more talent there uh, than I think everyone gives them credit for. So I just think it's some mishirings. Um, and, and 
maybe some bad signings and free agency here and there. But I, I think this is the road to recovery right here. You th you're, you're seeing uh, them trending I think upwards, Bruce was an amazing upwards. hire, and I think Todd Bowles as a defensive coordinator is also amazing to go along with it. And like I said, I think the roster has a little more talent than people are giving it credit for. It is always interesting, though, in, in football where they have the salary cap and it's supposed to be parity when you do have the extremes. I mean, it's super interesting when the Patriots are able to dominate every year in a yeah. salary cap environment. But it, it, you wouldn't think it would happen, right? You, the, the game is designed with the salary caps and the floors and, and everything. The game is designed, yeah. like the schedule teams that finish lower, you know, have an easier road the next year, to even it out. And so that you don't have these runs of the Cleveland Browns for years and years and years have been bad and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just can't really sniff the playoffs for years and years. So it is unusual when it is when nobody can even get on time. the uh, yeah the verge of it. You're right, it is. Well, and that's what makes New England special because they can continue to stay there. They're the one constant in a league that's trying to make nothing be the constant as far as a team's concerned. And again, one wrong move can just screw your franchise. You know, again, I would sit there and argue and go, man, Tampa Bay. I think they got it right with Dirk Cutter the last time. The, the area it was wrong is Dirk Cutter liked Mike Smith as his defensive coordinator, and Mike Smith was still running the same exact defense he was running in 2003 with the Jacksonville Jaguars when I was playing against them in the preseason. It hadn't changed. So there you go. You go, okay, we got three or four positive things, but that fifth thing is a way horrible, and that can bring down the three or four positive things in a major way to make everything look real average or horrible if you're really lacking in one department. Couple teams trying to uh, to put together some solid seasons. The Tennessee Titans. Yeah. This is ones from Alec Clyde. What's your take on the Titans' quarterbacks? Who will be be the quarterback they keep long term? So you got yeah. You got Marcus Mariota. You got Ryan Tannehill now. Yes, sir. Yep. Um, one in one A. Maybe yeah. I don't think that you know they're they're not fully committed to Marcus Mariota no. at this point going no. forward. I think you're right about that. So what do you think? Well, I How's think he, play out? I think he is going to be the starter. They're going to let him have every chance to mess this up. Let's say I think it, it would take a you know a run through training camp and preseason for Ryan Tannehill to impress and win more of the daily battles, and Mariota to screw up maybe in some preseason games and have some bad practices. I think it would take something that drastic for them to start Ryan Tannehill to start the year. But I do think their skill sets are similar. I would argue Ryan Tannehill is probably the better passer than Marcus Mariota. Uh, so, you know, it is close. And there's that last burp of coffee for everybody That's out the there. That's the last one? That was the last oh, one, no. I'm pretty sure. That's too bad. But uh, I think it was a brilliant hire, too. You know, Mariota's had injury issues. Tannehill's played a lot. He's also had injury issues. 100%. But I think it will be Mariota when all said and done. And I think Mariota will have a good a good year, too. I, I expect him to have a uh, his best year of his career this year. It is almost like who stays healthy. Right? Yes. It's, the decision yeah. will be almost made for them. It seems inevitable. It does in seem that way with like these two guys. Who plays a little bit better, yeah. and then who's able to stay on the field longer? Right. Right. Uh, the Bengals. This is one comes from Ethan Cup, five thirteen. What is the area of need for the Bengals? Uh, big fan. Keep up the good pods. Thanks, oh, buddy. Fan. Thanks, so, man. So Bengals. When you take a look at the Bengals, what are their big uh, their big needs? You think? Uh, probably can a little improve on the offensive line. Okay. Uh, I think there's things there. The tackle position. They could probably do an upgrade there to a degree. They have some good things. Um, 
This is one I wish I would have looked at their roster a little bit beforehand, but I'm going off the top of my well, head, I mean, and that's the okay. Bengals, I think there are people who think the Bengals could be bottom five team I know. In, in the NFL, we, we, even with the weapons they have with the Joe Mixon and the Andy Dalton. I know, and, and I don't Green. think so. That I don't think that way. There's another team I put in that 49ers Tampa Bay category where I'd go, don't fall asleep on this team. Interesting. Um, Let's see. I just want to make sure I'm not missing. They probably need a, another difference-making linebacker. Okay. They lost Avantes Perfect. I know they re-signed mm -hmm. Preston Brown. They could use something along those lines. To me, maybe the biggest area of need for the Bengals, though, is a difference-making edge pass rusher or defense alignment that way. They have Geno Atkins. Carlos Dunlap is a very good player. Um, but they don't have a guy that can come off the edge and really change the dynamic of a football game. Wide receiver, they're pretty good. You mentioned the running back. It's Bernard. Joe Mixon's special. Um, you know, hey, I do think we're getting into the year of this is it. It's do or die for Andy Dalton. It's been really good, but it's also been a lot of years of, oh, I think they could do better at that position too. Yeah. So, so I guess in a long story short, that's where I would probably put that conversation, those positions. Corners, they're good. Uh, there's a lot of good on the roster. I think middle linebacker, difference maker, maybe there. Uh, I, I mean, Devin Bush from Michigan, that could be a guy I think they could fancy maybe uh, with the first round. And I think yeah. the Bengals have the 11th pick. Check, make sure I'm right on that, guys, in the back end. Or maybe like one of these pass rushers. Oh, yeah, we got it right here. 11. 11. Good. Good thing I do this for a living. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he'll be there at 11. Yeah. The people think 11th through 15th, a couple of those linebackers, the two Devons. Devin White from LSU and Devin Bush from Michigan. Yep. Last one. Okay. Ready? This is it. This one's uh, concerning your friend. Uh-oh. Uh, this one's from Stefan Pipes. I don't have any friends. Um, with Sean McVay not succeeding versus Bill Belichick in last year's Super Bowl. Ooh. And with what Kyle Shanahan did with the Falcons in the Super Bowl against him. Right. What does that tell us about McVay versus Shanahan, the rivalry with the Rams 49ers going forward? Is Kyle a better offensive mind than Sean McVay. Wow. Now, you know Kyle. I know friend. both of these guys, yeah. You know Sean. They're both friends. But you're, you've been longer friends Kyle's with Kyle. A, Kyle is in the category of one of my best friends. So, yes, yes there's definitely a little bias. With the, I try not to be biased. I do my best. I understand it naturally will occur. We're talking about two awesome freaking play callers, okay? We're talking about two whiz kids. Um, such great respect for Sean McVay. Kyle Shanahan is the better offensive game planner and get, play caller for me, though. And I don't mean to disrespect that. You know, that's like me saying Aaron Rodgers is better than Tom Brady. It's not disrespect to Tom Brady. It's like, oh, my gosh, you're so disrespectful. You're making him the number two quarterback of all time. What an asshole you are. You know, same thing here. These are both guys that are in the top five in football for offensive design, play call, you know, ability to tie their plays together the right way so they work during a game. But, yes, I think Shanahan is a little more creative and cracking the code than McVeigh. McVeigh's a little bit more of this is what we do. We're going to be really good at it, and I'm going to call the plays in the right sequences to give your defense a hard time to tell what we're going to do. Yeah. Kyle's a little bit more like, oh, this is the defense you run? Ooh, okay, I know the rules of this defense. I am going to fuck your rules up, and I'm going to have – I know what your middle linebacker's rules are on this play, and I'm going to – I'm going to break those rules to where he's going to go over the sideline and go, Coach, wait, I thought my rule was this. What do I do? And if you remember, there's certain games where Kyle does this every year 
I mean, he's done it to the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, yeah, he did it to the New England Patriots for three quarters in the Super Bowl. Think about, do you remember the Jacksonville game two years ago, the year Jacksonville was in going to the playoffs? I do not. You don't know? What a jerk. What a 49ers <laughs> here. But they were the best defense in football, and they were arguing on the sidelines because they play the Seattle scheme. Kyle worked in Atlanta with the Seattle scheme. Yeah. He's played a play against the Seahawks a lot. Uh, when he was in Atlanta, he played against them. And then, of course, the 49ers. And now the Jacksonville Jaguars come to town. And his own defense now runs the Seattle scheme in San Francisco to where he went, I know the rules of this defense. Yeah. And what happened in that game? They're, the Jaguars were on the sidelines yelling at each other because he had cracked their code to where they were going, this has been my rule for 14 weeks, and now you're telling me it's not my rule? So that's why I give Kyle the slight advantage there. That's It's like the chess move, right? You, you're thinking like the move ahead of the move ahead of the move ahead. Kyle's brilliance to me always was the fact when we were in Tampa Bay, Kyle was a quality control coach my first years two and three in the NFL in Tampa Bay. And the greatest thing he ever did in his career was he would sit in on the defensive meetings of the Tampa Bay Buccaneer staff, which was a all-star coaching staff. I mean, it's Monty Kiffin, who's an all-time great defensive coordinator. Rod Marinelli, yeah. who you know about. Gus Bradley, who you know about. Yeah. Mike Tomlin is on the staff, yeah. who you know about. Um, I'm missing somebody else. Joe Barry, that's another guy, position coach, linebacker coach for the Los Angeles Chargers, who I would say should be in that conversation for head coach potential yeah. at one point. But they were there, and Kyle would sit there in their meetings and listen to the defense. Oddly enough, the Seattle scheme was really invented by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the team I was on. They went from Tampa 2 to this cover 3 press bail uh, towards the end of my tenure there at Tampa. That's really where it started. And Pete Carroll was at USC, used to come down and meet Monty Kiffin a lot, and he kind of stole it and advanced it from there. And then Gus Bradley went up there with Pete Carroll with the Seattle Seahawks, yeah. and they, of course, went to a Super Bowl and did all that, and Gus Bradley went to Jacksonville. But that's where Kyle Shanahan, I think, separated himself in a big-time way to understand defenses and their rules and what they're being coached because it's only helped him to devise game plans to screw people over that And way. it's so genius, right? It's the cheat sheet. Yeah. It's like, what are you trying to do? Okay, now what can I do right. to disrupt that? Exactly right. Um, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, two of the best out there. Yes. You're, you're great as always. Uh, the mailbag questions were awesome. It was fun. Thank Thanks for partaking, everybody. Thank you, everyone doing that. So here's what we're going to show, what we're up to this weekend, because you have a plane to catch. I do. Uh, coming up on Friday, got the Roto World NBA Playoff Preview. So we'll go look around the NBA. I get your favorites. Think about that, because we'll probably talk about that okay. in the future. Okay, cool. You got the Notre Dame Blue Gold game. Yes, I am. Saturday afternoon. Saturday on NBCSN. And then stick around. Just keep it on NBCSN all day because at 7 o'clock, Arkansas Derby, the final chance for all these horses to, to uh, qualify for the Kentucky Derby. Oh, this Derby. is the final chance. Okay, cool. Last chance. I can't wait for the Derby. I'm always excited for that. There are it's some interesting stories, too. Bob Baffert, you heard of him before. Yeah, the guy course. with the white hair, the trainer, right. legendary trainer, Hall of Fame. Back. He's got three really good horses again. Oh, this shocker. Year. So I feel like every year he's got two or three. He's kind of getting that way. I mean, yeah. he's been that the way. The Bill now. Belichick of horse racing. Um, well done. You're the man. Ahmed, that was you fun. are the man. We did I say your name correctly today? You did, the, the whole, the the whole, whole way show? through, I think. Okay, yes. good. Okay, through. that makes me always feel better. Hey, I appreciate everybody tuning in. Remember, you want to interact, I'm all for it, at CSimsQB on Twitter, uh, Instagram, at SimsUnbuttoned. And if you want to watch two idiots on screen talk to each other and a guy drink a really unhealthy energy drink, uh, then it's YouTube.com slash NBC Sports. Everybody have a good weekend. Be safe. Peace out, homies. Say something. I Say needed, bye. Well, I needed the energy drink because we did it earlier today. Yeah, cry me a river, Justin Timberlake.
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.